0: It's good. We pushed through. It was a hard start. It was good worship, but we pushed through. You know, a lot of us seem to think that uh, peace, we all want peace. We have that uh, understanding that peace is uh, the absence of problems, but it's a military stance. It's so you decide to establish something. That's how God looks at it, and that's how it is. So if you want peace, you have to press through it. Most of us want to be just left alone. We don't want to have to deal with the enemy. But there's no choice. If you're called by his name, then you do battle. And we're going to talk about warfare today. Okay, where's, there we go. Yeah, we, we were made for it. Uh-oh, my computer is shutting down. Doggone. Oh, well, I'll have to take a second for it to re-warm up, because without it, I'm out of luck here today. I'll tell you something else that happened this week that was really fun. Route 66 was uh, relocated. Route 66, truthfully, has been ending here for a long time, right over on uh, Santa Monica. And they moved it officially because they used to stop there, and then they'd drive down here and go out on the pier. Because if you drove across America on Route 66, you'd really want to take an extra few minutes and drive out over the water. So last, uh, last weekend they officially moved Route 66 to there. And that's a kind of a significant thing uh, in a couple of ways. Huh? Yes, thank you, Paul. What? Well, because you told about it. Yeah, yeah, he told us about it. And they were doing the same. So we went out there and did a little uh, mini initiative over there, praying over Route 66 and asked the blessing on it. Because 66 is an interesting number. It's a number of books in the Bible. Uh, the name of that is The Mother Road of America. It, it actually it's called The Trail's End. And there's some words been given recently that it's going to come across from Chicago that we're going to have a president that is actually going to get saved and bring about uh, 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 a cleaning out of our government. In other words, righteousness in there. I pray that that's the case. I have no idea if that's a good word or not. But I know that we're strategically located here. We're located between the two ends of Route 66. We're right in the middle of that. And there's no, no happenstance for that to be that way. God intended for us to be here and at this time, that we would establish something here. This is a gate. It's a spiritual gate. It's also, you know, Route 66 is a spiritual road or a spiritual gate. So we're there for a purpose. We're there here to occupy this land, to bring it into a place of sanctification that the holiness of God can go across this country. And that's what our, part of our calling is. Uh, like many things else, it seems that God doesn't, isn't necessarily encouraged with big numbers. We don't have a lot of numbers here. All the way through the Old Testament, we saw that over and over again. He would send off a bunch of people and just tell it was down to a small group of people for what? So we'd know it was God. It's not about us. <laughs> we just got to get us to the quality. That's what we got to go for. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I say it, man. I agree with you. We are. I, I've watched this group grow tremendously. Over the, you know, We've been in existence for three years. I've seen tremendous change in people. It's, it's an amazing change in people. You know, it's been a hard road. It's been a hard road because the enemy pushes against us all the time. And we've had to learn to push back. And that's why I want to talk today. Last, you know, a couple of weeks ago I talked about the comfort, how God conforms us into his image. And I used the explanation of, of winemaking, from the grape to the fine wine. And I went through all the different steps of the different processes and how he picks us and how he, how he restrains us and how he, how he does lots of different things that we don't particularly like, including crushing us and having a sit, and all these different processes. I don't want to go through it. Again, if you haven't heard the message, it really is a good message. There's two weeks in a row, one on grapes and one on winemaking. Listen to those. Last week, I talked about how the enemy has a plan for your life as well, to conform you to, if you can't conform you to his image, then he wants to make you nothing. And I really, last week, I talked about how he tells you you should be this way, People in the world, other people say you need to be this way, you should be this, you should be this, until all of a sudden there's nothing of you left. You cannot be seen, there's no witness. And then he begins to, as he flattens you out and squeezes you out and makes you have no personality anymore, then he begins to project upon you what a Christian is. He says the Christian's an idiot. He says the Christian's this, the Christian's that. That's if we're going to put up with that. We're not going to put up with that. I'm not going to be pressed into his image or pressed into a place of non-existence. That non-existence comes from a fear of man. We have to learn not to respond to a fear of man. If we're worried about what people think, then we're always going to be conformed to whatever people want us to be or the enemy wants us to be. We can't be that way anymore. I talked over the last year or two about warfare at different times and I'll continue with that but I always talked about it in a defensive mode. Now if you're around a good football coach he'll tell you the best defense is a good offense and that's the truth. And so I'm going to talk about the original plan where we see the first spiritual battle ever. We're going to talk about that spiritual battle. We'll look at the enemy's plan. Then we're going to begin to see what we can do to combat that. And then we're going to see what to do, how we take it into his court, how we win. And it's an important thing to learn. Now, I always used to think, oh, I'd like to know about spiritual warfare. Not too much because I didn't want to be in warfare, of course. I'm not stupid, but I guess I am. Because it really comes down to we have no choice. If we're called by us, God marks us and we stand out. And the enemy sees us. And we're going to get hit a bunch of different times. But in the process, we're going to be conformed to God's image. We have that choice. When bad things happen, when pressures happen, we can get mad or we can get, as they say, glad. Now, the best place for this stuff to happen is in church. As I told you before, watch out. People will offend you here. I will offend you. You know, get over it. You know, especially, you know, it's kind of funny. God put a pastor that's really strong and his wife is really strong and we will step on toes. We're real clumsy sometimes, you know, like a bull in a china shop sometimes. Sorry about that, but that's what happened. That's who I am. I try to be more diplomatic as time goes along. Don't seem to be too successful at it, but I try. Warfare. When it comes up, we'll talk about it. Come up.
1: Yeah, I had to switch all
0: computers, rotate all computers around. Now, this was the projector. Now, this is the one I use. And now that one's over there. It's back to the projector was once before.
1: Don't mess
0: that up, but that one's mine. <laughs> Don't say anything. It'll break, too. <laughs> yeah. Okay, warfare. would do you think warfare is fought? Fair. Yeah. Where's fought? Where, where, where is warfare fought? What happens in warfare? Where is it? Where is the spiritual realm? In
1: mind, yeah. mind
0: is a very big thing. That's you know it, this this particular warfare. It's just like regular war. There's an air part. They have an air force. We have groundwork. You know, and the battlefield is right here. The first battlefield is our mind, our mind or our heart. In the scriptures, very often when it talks about the mind, it talks about the heart in the same thing. It's being the center of us. So being the center of us, if you remember, I've talked about that before. And where's the center of us? Where do we go to? We go to Genesis, right? Everything starts in Genesis. As I've said to you guys before, Genesis is the seed or generational beginnings that everything is seen from. In Genesis, it's real hard to see all of it sometimes because it's in the seed form. But later becomes fully grown. So in Genesis, we see the first spiritual battle, which is where? Genesis 3. So let's, uh, we're going to, where's my reader? The Lois Mike. The Lois and Steve Mike. No, it's fine. And so uh, can you kick me uh, on the slides there to, I think it's probably the third slide. I think I skipped over a couple already. You know, one of the scriptures I have on the slide, when he finds that, well, take a second here is a scripture that Jesus prayed in the Lord's Prayer. One of the things he said is on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we, we all know. That's what we want to have happen. We want a representation of in, what the heavenly realm is here on earth. But you know who else wants that too? The enemy. He wants something from second heaven on earth as it is in his realm or reign. Kingdoms are basically rules and reigns. We have the kingdom of God, his rule and reign here, or the kingdom of darkness, his rule and reign here. And that includes you. self. The self thing is is the kingdom of this world's reign. But his intent is to have that rule on earth. So since two people intend for the same piece of property, this physical ground in this other part of the earth, then you know there's going to be a war for that. Anytime you have two people wanting the same thing, there's a a fight. God has obviously not given up this or this ground to the enemy. And the enemy hates us and wants to destroy us. So, kick up to about the third thing. Oh, there it is, Genesis. So why don't you go ahead and read Genesis. This is the very, very, very first battle. We're going to break this battle down and take a look at it and see what's going on.
1: You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves.
0: Okay. So, starting with the very first line and going down. Don't tell me the bottom ones. What is the first strategy that you see there? What was the first thing the enemy did? Huh? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Did God really say? What else would God really say? It's a change, a focus, isn't it? All right. Now, you remember in the garden, they had this relationship with God. One-on-one, we listen to God. Okay. Now we're listening to someone else tell us about what God said. So square one, first first, first tactic of the enemy, is to break focus. In battles, you have to have a supply. The first thing you want to do is cut off the supply. You know, there's battles that are just head on head. But a wise, wise military person begins to deal with several things, doesn't he? First, he wants to cut off supply, and he wants to get them out of their protected area. That's the first thing they want to do? Want to get them out in the open. Okay? So we're going to look at this enemy strategy, and we're going to use the same strategy the enemy uses on us against him. So the very, very first thing, it says, did God really say? Now, there's, uh, there's some, uh, when the woman replies, a lot of people think that that's a misquote, and it could be. Some people teach it as, you know, God sets up all these, you know, man sets up all these different rules, as what happens in the Jewish culture, to protect God's law, you know. The bathroom's out, is out and around. Uh, make sure we don't have more people come in there, because this kid's in there, and we don't allow people to go in there. Just have to go. Outside, outside and around. Okay, uh, so uh, what was that? Yes. Oh yeah, we said some of them believe there's laws to protect that, and it could be God would speak with man in the cool of evening. So we we we've had recorded the one conversation that God said not to eat of this tree. But he could have said not touch it too. Who knows? It really doesn't matter. I can tell you if you get near that tree and you eat it, you're in trouble. So what happens with most of us? If a person has a drinking problem, do they go hanging out in bars? No. If a pedophile has a problem, he shouldn't be living next to a school. There's the idea of staying away from temptation. So the enemy wants to stick something in front of us, cause our focus to move off of God and see what he wants us to see. He wants to draw our attention to a certain thing. So what we have to learn how to do is not allow him to do that. Okay, what's the next thing you see in there? For God knows. See that? For God knows that when you eat, your eyes will be open. What is that about? Creating a sense of
1: feeling that
0: they may be confined to something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you're not really getting taken care of. Let's put it this in human terms: a guy, husband, and a wife. Okay, and a guy wants to get and get in a relationship with the wife. What does he do? He suggests that she's not being treated the way she should be. Watch the movies. You're not being taken care of properly. That is not really fair. Your husband really isn't treating you the way you should. So there is the next little little plot of the enemy. He takes the idea and implants an idea that things are not fair and really that person you're with is, in this case, God, is really withholding. Because what? He's really not that good, is he? He's all right, God, but he's not really good. So he challenges right on, Roth, the case, is the goodness of God. Is he good? That is probably the biggest challenge you face today, is God good. If you really feel is God good, you let go of your life and, and trust it to him. If you don't, You do it yourself. So that is at the root of the lie there. Is this God good? No. Satan's saying he's not. Satan's saying he's withholding things from you. Okay, what's the next thing? Your eyes will be open. Enlightenment. Do you think that's a big issue today? Be enlightened. You want to have all this knowledge. Okay, so that's the next little step he does. He teaches you're going to have some special knowledge. You need something more than what you've got. What you have is lacking. Okay. What's the next thing you see? You like God. Yeah, the quality with God. Now, what does Jesus say about the Scriptures say that he felt that a quality? Jesus said he didn't feel the quality of God was something to be grasped. Rather laid it down. That's the example we have. So you can have this. It's the carrot in front of your nose. So he he's beginning to do what? Why do you think this? What is what is he trying to do with this? He's trying to have you break covenant. He wants to bring you out in the open. We have in this in this particular time was the first covenant. In that first covenant, we were protected because he was under God's protection. But Satan didn't sit there and go beat him to death with sickness or disease. He had no right to do that, did he? He had no right to do that. He had, there's no place for him to do it because he was protected under the Father. So what did he want to do is bring him out from under the Father so he could get out of him. He's gonna, the enemy is trying to draw us out of our covering that we be exposed that he can go after us. So this is his intention. This is his first intention to be able to do something like that. So he draws us out and says, that, you know, God's not good. He causes the person to reason. That's the next thing you see there. What, what did she say? says, Okay, uh, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, it was also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her dumb husband, who was with her.
1: It's the woman you gave me. Yeah, Yeah,
0: it's the woman. That's what I say all the time. Sin loves company. Always has. It always has. Okay, so what was that? What's what's pleasing to the eye? What's that? Oh, that is too. Lust. Lust. What's lust. Not sex here, but it's lust. Lust is lust. What is lust? Give me a definition. In order to desire for something. Yeah, I want it and I want it now. It's mine. That's lust. At any cost, yeah, that's another thing. You know, the enemy puts a spirit of stupid on man. I'll tell you, I, you know, I was uh, unfortunately heard of this other pastor recently who we've known that dumps his.
1: For 25 years.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't want to mention his name, but he dumps for another woman. He dumps his wife, his family, his job. His reputation, his standing in the church, he's a regional director, not on any of our churches here, thank goodness. Not part of the bridge. All that for what? For some relationship woven? Or it could have been a man if it was the other way around, so I'm not trying to knock a woman. I'm trying to knock the uh, what? how foolish we can be and be let off so easy. What happens with that? He's out from undercovering. So what is the enemy's plan? He's trying to get us out from covering. What is our, what is our covering? Is what? Well, it, our, our covering is Jesus. That's the new covenant that we're in. The other one, their covenant was, was just with, with the Father God. Ours is through Jesus. We have a covering that. We stay under that. We're safe from being destroyed permanently. We may have some bad things happen to us, but... We...
1: Sure. It's Whats was interesting too. It says when she saw the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye. It's kind of interesting how she didn't notice the tree before. Because mm-hmm. yeah. all, all we heard before was, well, God said don't eat of that tree. But they apparently hadn't even looked at it. So the enemy was drawing them off. Suggestion. Yeah, it's a power suggestion, but it's
0: something farther. There is a spiritual realm over. There is a spiritual realm. The enemy, if you think like the example with, with the guy, you think that there's plenty of women out there. The enemy is around. The enemy brings ideas and, and continually bombards you with ideas. Always. Always. It continually bombards you with ideas. You don't have to make a nest in them. We're, we're told they're not to the entertain wrong thoughts. But when we do, we're stuck. Sometimes those thoughts come from us, but I gotta I gotta tell you that a lot of that stuff just comes from the enemy. We have an enemy. We did not fight against what? Flesh and blood? No, we don't. There's spiritual away. realm over. So so that is a very good point my wife brought up. That thing is that all of a sudden they saw something they really didn't notice before. So you walking down the street and see something you haven't really noticed before. Don't think it might. She was to huh? She was listening to the pit. She was listening to the pit. She was drawn off from the father. So, uh, go to the next slide. No, it's not it. Go back. Oh, go forward. No, keep on going now. Yeah, later. Next one after. Okay. So this is the basic stand of the attack against you. This is the plan of the enemy. Is first of all to change your focus. How does he do it now? How does God change? I mean, how does the enemy change your focus right now? I'm talking practically. Huh? This minute, yeah. that might work? Huh?
1: Worry. Worry. Too busy?
0: What else? What else is going on with you guys? Distractions. The opinion, of the opinion of the world. Being cool. Being cool. Fear of man. What else? Money problems. Money problems. Huh? <laughs> that is what is happening to you. It is the plan of the enemy to distract you from God. So what's the first thing you do? How do you stay focused on God? You have structure. Right? Then the first thing you do? How are you going to spend time with him if you don't have some structure to spend time with him? People don't like structure, but God does. He puts structure. I've got a skeletal system in me. There is nothing without structure on the face of this earth that goes up. Maybe amoeba, which is a dumb one cell animal. Everything else has structure. Maybe exterior, maybe interior, but it has structure. Governments have structure. Uh, Churches have structure. Everything has structure. It's there for a purpose. If the structure binds the use of something, then it's a problem. But structure is not there to bind things, it's to facilitate things. So the first thing you have to do is develop up a, uh, uh, a lifestyle that has a pattern that means you have to set time aside. You set time aside of what's most important to you. If God's most important to you, that's what you'll start your day off with, and that's what you'll do. That's what you have to do. The idea of a tithe is the first ten percent of your income. It's the idea set a pattern, not just for money. It's the idea set a pattern. The first of what you got goes to the Lord. It belongs to Him. Because we're made for Him. It's the idea if that's what your focus is. It's a hint. So the first thing is set up a structure. If you don't do that, you will not stay focused. Even when you do that, you're going to lose focus. But then you'll just return to it. Because if you set up a good structure, then what happens? You set up a pattern and and develop a habit of doing things. So the first of the day is one part of it. But there's all kinds of other things you do to set yourself in the structure that will cause you to press into God and keep focused on Him. Because, again... Will enemy defeat you by causing you to worry about your money, to worry about that relationship, or worry about what's going to happen, get fired? I've said to you before that the enemy always tries to get you to take something other than right now. Past mistakes, future, uh, future worries about making mistakes. But God is found in the now, is empowered in the now. You have to be, learn how to develop a habit where you're actually focused on Him but all the time. Has to. You have to do that, otherwise you won't make it. That is the number one thing, is the focus on God. That is the supply for everything we do. If we have authority when we pray, it comes from where? God, right? You have to be plugged in the supply to be able to meet the demand of the warfare. What you sow, so shall you reap. God meant that. That's also in Genesis is one of the beginning principles. If you don't sow in this, you will not reap in this. If you sow and I'm going to about me and do all kinds of other things and get distracted and don't have any type of structure, you're going to reap. I don't have any type of structure. I get distracted and everything else. God honors His word. He does not change that fact. That happens. And you'll find it all the way through the scriptures, sowing and reaping. Even the greatest, one of the greatest men before Jesus was David. He sowed in the wrong area. He had to reap it. It was not a good consequence. He didn't like it cost him all the way through the rest of his life. Bring doubt towards both God, you, and others. Why? We see that now. You begin to doubt yourself. How do you doubt yourself? Whose you are. So the plan of the enemy is to cause you not to realize who you are and operate that way. If you don't realize that you're forgiven and God's mercy on you, what will happen is you won't have mercy on others. So he causes you to doubt about who God is, his goodness, his willingness, his love for you and his willingness to take care of you, begins to cause you to doubt who you are as a son of God and the authority that you've been given. And you'll automatically extend that doubt of who the character of a person to someone else. That's all I'm about to say happen. Then you will shoot your friends and other believers because you'll have come with them an accusation. Get you to have an accusation against someone else. What is he doing? He's causing you to operate under his rule and reign rather than God's. What man did when he fell. He began to operate under the words, we're supposed to do everything that comes from the Father, we're supposed to listen to the Father. What we were, Adam and Eve did is listen to the devil. Listen and operate and moved upon his rule and reign rather than on God's. Took him out from under that covering. Now, if this is in your mind, your understanding of who you are, and if, 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 You don't believe, then you won't have any faith. And then you won't please God, which means you don't get favor with God. You're destroyed. His plans are ingenious. If you take a good look at this, this plan of what the enemy did, this is just part of what his plans, he's got lots of them too, by the way. But this is the main one, to cut you off, cause you to live under his rule and reign, and get where he can take you apart. Next one is activate your rights. We all know we don't have any rights, don't we? We're dead. If we have rights, we have rights for judgment. You get that? That's why when the parable I gave with the, uh, the servant that came in there and, you know, he asked for forgiveness and he got it. Then he went out on the way, ran into his fellow servant who owed him far less than he owed the real master. And he didn't forgive him. What happened? Then God didn't forgive him. Took him right on out there. No longer. What happens? They touch that tree. They eat from that truth. They end up coming out from underneath the covenant. All those things brings you out from underneath the covenant of God and the covering. Activate your rights. It's my right for this. I deserve. I'm sitting there whining to myself. Nobody else, thank goodness, about not having any money recently. Now, what I have is so blessed, it's not even imaginable. But I'm using a credit line. I don't like that. Currently, uh, God isn't bothered with it right now because he's not doing anything about it. And nor am I, as much as I should. So I'm sitting there thinking of what what I don't have rather than what I do have. And that I somehow deserve something because of what I used to have. We don't deserve anything, do we? No, because as soon as you deserve something, you deserve the rest of it. Once you come out of the rule and reign of God and the covenant of God and demand by what you've done or what's happened to you in the past, you're out from underneath the, the covering. Okay, thank you. There you're out from underneath the covering. Next thing, reasoning and rationalization. That's, they, they, she says, you yeah, know, well, I figured this and because of that it was good to get in the knowledge. We're there to hear, it, aren't we? Now, I have to stop here just to make a point. The kingdom of God is based upon listening to God, but it's also doing things. You know, sometimes people don't have jobs. And they aren't getting jobs. God calls us to, if you want to eat, you work. Plain and simple. Scripture's there. Does God ever caused somebody to sit down for a while and not have a job and do it on Yeah. But I think it's very short. Very short amount of time. He causes us to move and work. And so sometimes when I talk about spiritual things, people take that and isolate that. And don't have the tension or the balance on the full thing. God wants us to move. He wants us to do things. But what I'm trying to show you is warfare here. Reason and rationalization, I deserve this, I deserve that, cause you to break the covenant, the number one thing, and reject authority. The authority line before was God to man. In a sense, what happened in the garden is he took a look at and said, well, that's a suggestion of Satan. Hmm. I have the right to make my own decisions. And in that statement, when you say I have the right to make decisions, my own decisions, and go my own way, you're first of all, when you think it, you're declaring yourself equal with God, aren't you? Because if He says something and I also, and then and the enemy offers something else, I think, well, let me think about that. Let me reason about that. Maybe I will go that way. Now I've just the first thing I did is declare myself equal with God, didn't I? If he says one thing, give me. if he says one thing, and I sit there and think that, okay, I heard that, but I think something else, and I'm going to think whether I'm going to do that or not, I'm saying, okay, I have just as much authority as God does. I'm rejecting God's authority, and I, I say I'm having just as so much authority. Then when I do the thing, I do what? I declare myself greater than God. Because God told me not to do this or to do this thing, and I chose to think about it. I'm equal. And then I... So the exercise that I declare myself I'm greater than God. I reject his authority. So, then he wants you to reject authority. All authority that he can get you away with. He wants, he doesn't, you know, I'll question that authority, question that authority. Is all authority good? No. But it's all ordained by God. What do you do with that? Our president, I don't like him at all. Am I wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Admit it. I'm wrong. God's got to change me. And I'm asking God to change me, give me a great heart for that man, because that's why I need to pray. If those prophecies are correct, then, 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 you know, I need, my job is to pray that that will come true. It has nothing to do with race is. It has to do with socialism. I don't like socialism. I don't believe it's Christianity. Sounds like it. Sounds sure all, but it's not. It's a form of humanism. It's horrible. It's from the enemy. Anyway, so, reject authority, self-focus, that proof, provide, promote I've talked about. Use your own strength to bring the things out. The enemy wants to get you to move out of his power to your own. He can't defeat you under God's power, but he can defeat you under your own. He needs you to shift from those two things. He needs you to shift to be able to be, I'm gonna, I have the right to make my own decisions. I can do it. I can make it. I can press through this thing. Uh, if you look at that and go bottom up, you see it all the time. I have the right to do that. Therefore, I won't listen to anybody because, you know, I'm my own strength. I won't listen to anybody. I'll reject authority. Uh, I'm gonna, I moved outside of the covenant. And then you begin to backwardly rationalize why, why you did what you did. Then you come up with the, the rights. Okay, And now I got the right. This, this comes and raises to the surface. Then you doubt God and others and your focus is totally changed. So it works in total reverse. When you go through it, bottom up, that's what happens too. But that is a, a well laid out plan by the enemy. The enemy is wise enough to develop, design, and do that plan. Guess what? It works. It works then, and it works now. So, I'd be writing down these things, note them on my mind, and make sure that the enemy does not have the ability to trick me and to draw me off God's game to his own. Let's see I'm going to be able to see this more. So, what did man do on the last sentence? He made his own covering. Was that the last sentence we read? Was that seven? Yeah. Yeah. He made his own covering. What do you think that would mean? Make your own covering. You know, (laughs) it's kind of an interesting thing. I know some people that are really accurate translators and they really believe that covering of skin is what we have on here, not animal skin. It doesn't say animal skin anywhere. That's a pretty interesting idea, the way it maybe looked like it <laughs> without skin on. That little weird thing. So we made a covering. What is it making a covering? Providing for yourself. Huh? Providing for yourself. It's providing for yourself. It's, it's your own covering. Protecting yourself. Protecting yourself. What's the first person, you know, they're protecting themselves against one another, what other people think, fear of man. That was the first thing that happened was it. And then the, we move to the next thing, it was with God. So what is the thing, when you do a it covering, it's, big, it's the form of isolating yourself from one another and from God. And that's what you can say one of the first things that happens. It's the first consequence of the fall, and it's also what the enemy uses. He wants to take you to a place that you are hiding what's going on in your life. He wants you not to be honest. See, God's kingdom covering is light and it's Jesus. It's, it's light. That's how we have power, is being in his light. The enemy is what? Darkness, isn't it? Darkness, hidden stuff. He wants to pull you out of the light and take you and bring you, this was the result of sin, remember, into the darkness and begin to hide yourself. So what the first thing he wants to do is that you, the little things that you, the sins you have in your life, he doesn't want you to tell anybody about them, including him, the Lord. That's what he wants to do. He wants you to hide your sins. Why? What did Jesus say? You know, that, you know, basically three, you know, uh, quarter three is not easily broken cut the things, take it out and break the sticks one by one, he will isolate you it's one of his biggest things the biggest, the most hurt people I know are the most isolated people in the least transparent possible transparency and knowing what goes on in a person's life keeps a person safe but what the enemy wants you to do is not be transparent not to tell what's going on to hide your sins from one another and when you hide them from God, they're not forgiven, are they? If you keep them and hide them and cover them and pull them close to you, you're keeping the Lord from, from the Lord. You have to sit there and say, Father, forgive me. I, boom, they forgive you. And when you have a sin that overpowers you, you know, what you do is you get around other people that you can be able to confess that sin to there, bring it out of the darkness into the light, and it gets healed and forgiven, and you are no longer overpowered by that sin. So his basic strategy is to bring you out from your covering, cut off your supply uh, and to uh, bring you to operator on your own. That's what he wants to do. Everything he does will cause that to do that. So you have to guard against that. Thing. Uh, should I go to the next step? One time? Yes. All right, let's go to Genesis 3, 8 through 24. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. Because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it.
0: Amen. (laughs)
1: Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and, and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing, with pain, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you.
0: Last part was good, huh, guys? Choking. Okay, what was the first thing? We already talked about the hide, hiding bar, so we already covered that. What's the next thing that you saw? Well, let's take the one before the devil made me do it. Uh, Thank you, Richard Pryor. Um, The thing is that because I knew I was naked. What is that? Knew that I was naked is saying I'm inadequate. I wasn't properly covered. Okay. They made their own covering. Yeah, that was one part of that, which I said before. But the other part is an introspection. That's a looking at oneself and saying, well, you know what? I don't measure up. I really don't have what it takes to make it. You know, I need a covering. I need something else because really, if you really see me, I'm not too good. You know, I'm, I'm not okay. Something's the matter with me. It's the basic thing that, that, that he did to uh, about God. Something's not good about him. He's hiding. He's not really willing to give you everything. Now he's saying it about, he, he's allowed that sin to come into man. And he's sitting there and says, well, I'm inadequate. I don't measure up. So what do you think the enemy's plan is? Duh, come on, guys. What is the plan? The
1: inadequacy
0: be in this ra- yeah. To look at your inadequacies and constantly try to fix yourself. And make your own covering. Make your own covering. That means go to every seminar, go to every doctor, go to everything else. Nothing wrong with that <laughs> on occasion. But if that's your life's focus, there's a problem. He wants to have you constantly be aware of your inadequacy. What does that do? It was the first one on the other causes Move your focus from God to yourself. Remember, we talked about what happens with what you focus on? You empower what you focus on, so you're empowering your shortcomings. In battle, if you don't have the supply, you're going, be, you're going to be starved out. You're not going to shoot anybody with it. If you don't have a supply coming from God, and you run on your own strength, guess what? The enemy can take you. You're easy to take. On our own, we're lost. Scripture says, without Christ, I can do nothing. So the process of being focusing on your own shortcomings and always trying to fix them is an easy mark for the enemy to take you. It's an easy way. He can always take you. Because your focus is in the wrong area. Now, when you're going after God and you're focused on God, he's going to bring things and say, Hey, Gary, look at this. This is really not what I want it to be. Oh, yeah. We deal with that. We fix that. We grow through it. We get healed. But the focus is not my problem. The focus is God. And the Holy Spirit brings up some things and we deal with it. That's all good. That's very healthy. That's God's intention. And that's how you get well. But if your job in life is to go out there and find what's the matter with you, you will have no shortcomings of finding what's wrong with you. There are plenty of stuff wrong with us. But guess what? That's why Jesus came. To cover all the sins and make us okay. We are fully acceptable. There will be no time in your life where you'll be more acceptable to God than right now. You're not going to get better. Because if you think by you're going to be getting better and a more acceptable God, then you believe the lie of legalism. That's the enemies. The enemy rule is, remember, the first, one of the first consequences is that they constantly have to perform to be okay. You know, prove yourself. Constantly have to perform. As long as he can keep you constantly at perform, you're missing the thing. You're trying to establish yourself. You're dressing yourself. You're being your own strength, your own own guard. It's a constant failure. It's the Lord's ability to change you. That's the ability to change you. That's why he sent his son to cover you with his blood so you are forgiven and you don't have to worry about the other. You are fully acceptable to the father right now. Fully acceptable. So as you go along, what happens? You don't look at that stuff. You look at God and guess what? You become more like who you're looking at. So quit taking the easy hit from the enemy. And keep on looking at yourself. Introspection is, the, uh, is, is really the first result of sin. That's the first thing they did. I'm naked. Uh, I'm inadequate. I'm inadequate. I don't measure up. That's what he said about God. God was, that's what he said there in the first place, he said, You need to get this knowledge because you were not adequate. And God isn't going to give it to you because he's really selfish. Inadequacy. What was the next thing? Next thing you see? I was afraid. The kingdom of darkness is ruled by fear. I was afraid. Fear of man's big one. Now the word fear when it chooses the fear of God is the idea of awe and reverence and yeah, afraid if <laughs> you go your own way, this nasty thing it will happen too. I mean there is that fear in it too. But the idea of you don't run in fear of God. You're drawn to God because of the awe of God. If you're constantly in fear because I don't have enough money to take care of things, I don't know what's going to happen next. He's got you diverted from the King, and again has you out of the kingdom of God because I can't, I don't have what it takes to make it. You know, I I I don't have money, and there's no other hope for it. You tax your hope, but the hope comes from God. You have to focus on on Him. So fear, blame shifting. The next one, I'm going to kind of give the answers because we're going through. So blame shifting, what's that about? My wife made me do it. It's a good one. The woman? Do it.
1: Or my parents were miserable to me. You know, blaming stuff on your parents. and Sins the other people have
0: the house, you. Or have your parents messed up? I'm a parent. I can guarantee they do. You know, they're just people just like you they had parents that messed up with them. Matter of fact, we all had parents that messed up except Adam. From here on out, everyone had parents that messed up. So it's a lot of messing up. If you're constantly looking back at what your parents did and you can't do what you need to do because of what your parents did, what your mom didn't do for you, or your dad didn't do for you, I understand that there's a great hurt in that. I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm just trying to tell you how to get out of it. If your focus is on the past hurts problems, shortcomings, uh, and you blaming them, that's, the, that's that sin. The prisons are filled with people that blame other people for their actions. They say their mom didn't love them enough and their dad didn't love them enough and all that stuff. You know, I lucky I had good parents. I really did. I'm, I'm thankful for it. But I I've, I've prayed for, ministered to many, many people. The only ones that get well, and they do get well, but the ones that focus on God and it comes up and says, this is kind of messing me up with my relationship with God. We deal with it and they move on. They move closer and closer because it's always about getting closer and closer to God, closer and closer to the source. And as they get closer to the source, they get changed. If their focus is, is, is the shortcoming, they get closer and closer to the shortcoming. They're going down. They'll never change. They'll never get healed that way. They won't. Psychologists are very good to listen to people, but they have no power to change. Sometimes things have to be talked out. I realize that. But if that's what your normal deal is, worrying about that, you're never going to get better. And if you're always blaming someone else, you're never taking the responsibility, which is the first thing to grow, isn't it? Accepting the responsibility that you messed up. When you accept the responsibility that you messed up, then you ask God to forgive you and you move on. It's done. It's forgiven. So blame shifting. uh, what was the next thing? All this stuff is to cut off your faith and hope. To bring you under the curse. To keep you out of what God wants to bring you into. Because remember, when you're outside the covenant, you're under a curse. You get that? Covenant, safety, curse on the outside. So what's the enemy want to do is bring you out from under the covenant where there's a curse and he can take you apart because he doesn't have rights otherwise, does he? He has no rights anymore. He doesn't have the power and authority to because it was taken away at the cross. But as long as you allow him to draw you out from the covering that you have, your source and only source is God. Your hope and your only hope is God. As long as you stay in that you have victory. When you don't, you don't. So, next week what I'll do is take a look at some of this stuff and how do you do that to the enemy? How do you do that? How do you draw the enemy out from under his covering? How do you cause those different things to work against him? Because you can. You see, we learn from what the enemy is a very wise master planner. We can learn from what he did to us how to do that to him. Because. If you've noticed. The enemy tries to mess up everything you do. He's always trying to throw something. Even if he doesn't have total victory. He just wants to keep you off your balance. You know we can do that to him. If he's busy. Fixing the mess we make. He's not busy coming after us. Fine and simple. So how do we cut off his supply. How do we draw him out from his covering? How do we cause him to operate in fear? I'll tell you what, it's pretty easy to get them afraid because they live in fear. If you've ever met people who live in fear, it's not very hard to get them afraid. People that are confident, it's pretty hard to get them afraid. But it's not hard to get the enemy afraid. We just have to do it. We just have to learn. I want you over this next week to think about how it is someone to come back and ask and have blank faces. You know, I've got to figure it out too. I don't know all this stuff. I know that God's calling us to know how to do warfare on an offensive way, where we take ground. When we did this AFM rec- recently, that's the, one of the things we did. We went and went after this land. Now, a very bad thing happened this last week that, that I didn't mention, that and I'll mention now. I, I don't know if you guys remembered. Right where Paul's sitting, I uh, was a guy by the name of Steve. What's Steve's last name? Stephen Saunders. Stephen Saunders, really nice guy. And uh, he came and really enjoyed it. And, he, you know, he says, I, I was going to have him give a uh, testimony this week because he had been here a few you know, years ago and moved back. And he seemed to change in, in the atmosphere here. Because that's what we're about doing, bringing a change in the atmosphere. It's less dark. It's much freer. He was amazed by it. And unfortunately, he fell Monday and got killed. Yeah, he got killed. He was uh, hiking, I guess, in the mountains. Nice guy too. I mean, it, it just breaks your heart, you know. Somehow he got underneath, out from underneath something. The enemy got him, you know, and it, it's a shame. Is there other room that things just happen? I don't know. I really don't know. You know, I have the answer all that stuff. But all I know is he, he lost his life. That's uh, a shame. It's a it's a shame. Obviously for him, He's, he gets to be with the Lord though. It's a shame for his family. It's a shame for us because we would have benefited with him being here, you know. But we have changed, we have changed the atmosphere. We have brought change to this atmosphere already. As we go along with the greater change to the atmosphere, there will things change here, but we have to learn how to, this, the church doesn't understand warfare, it does not understand the, the fight we're in. And we think it's just the word of God. We just throw words, of quote words of God to God, I mean to, uh, to the enemy. No, it's far more than that. We have to. The enemy uses a strategy against you. We have to use a strategy against him, and we have to set things into thing to keep us focused on God, that we would become more like Him, that we'd have the 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 in us the warfare, the heart, the spirit, to be able to take when the enemy comes against us, because He has no rights over us. He really doesn't. He really doesn't have rights. So, Father, I, ask, I speak your protection over your people. And I speak your uh, your love and your mercy. And Father, I ask that you take this and that you would uh, show us how to, how to do warfare. Where we'd be able to take and understand the plans and the schemes of the enemy. And that we would get godly schemes as we do battle against them. Father, you've called us to be uh, an army of God. We've always supposed to be been an army of God. We're supposed to be an army that brings salvation. Or we're an army that brings your kingdom in. Father, I believe we're the last days army, or our, our, our training for it, for the, maybe the generation after us. I actually think we are. And I think that, uh, Father, I ask that you just give us a witness to those things and help us with the tools and the tenacity to do the things that we're called to do the willingness to take the risk to press forward. You say that you're not happy with us if we fall back. So, Father, keep us from falling back. Help us move forward. Help us take the ground that you've uh, ordained for us to take. Help, help us bring about the, the atmosphere over this land, the, the cleansing of this land, that your presence can manifest itself here and go across this country. And go across this country and be a revival that sustains. Not a short term one. We got a year of the Lord and that's, that was fun and it's over and then we continually look back. Lord, I don't want to look back ever again. I want to look forward to the new things that you do. The new moves of your spirit. The new hope that you put. The new power. The new outpourings of your spirit and the, and, the, and the grace and the love and the peace that you pour on us, Father. We thank you with these things. In your holy name we pray. Amen. We need prayer come forward